0: On this week's edition of the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast, me and Mali J are going to be talking about why this could be the very best time to buy real estate ever. Ever? Well, at least in the foreseeable future. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. My name is Parker Bennett from Royal Page Westwood Realty, and I'm joined by Mally J, a.k.a. Mallory Johnson. Hello. Her, some of her aliases are. <laughs> um, I want to I actually do a formal apology. Last week we did not introduce you to the podcast. So <laughs> today we're going to play a little game. It's called Mally J Threefold No Better.
1: What is happening? It's
0: okay, a, it's a game we're gonna play. I love games. Game Let's go. we're gonna get to know you better. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you three very simple questions, and then the audience will get to know Mally J at a more formal level.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I hope All right. So. so
0: the the first question I have for you is, um, what is your favorite pastime?
1: Ooh. Okay, well, I have a few. Can I answer more than one? Absolutely. Answer? Okay.
0: This is about engaging with the
1: okay. listenership. who's Mally J? Okay, favorite pastimes include, I'm a big crafter. I love huh. to craft. I'm a, I love to sew. I like to embroider. Like textile crafting is just my, it's one of my fun, fun things I do to relax. Okay. Um, but I also love to play music. I'm a musician. So at home, I'll sit and play the bass. Yep. Or I will sit and play some acoustic guitar and it's like therapeutic. It's, yeah, those are my two favorite pastimes. And, and
0: what's the, so I'm going to elaborate here. What's the name of the band that you play in? Called Sweater Kitten. I know the answer to this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right here in Kamloops.
0: Right here. And here. you guys play all the time, right? You guys play around town and.
1: We do. And we'll have a gig coming up soon. We're looking to book one in April right now. So stay uh, tuned. Yeah, it's coming up.
0: Stay tuned. All right. Next Good question. Good plug. Thank you. You ready? Yeah.
1: Let's go. Question number two.
0: I definitely, just so that everyone knows, like I did not prepare you for this. (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite 90s rock band?
1: Oh my God. (laughs) It will, it has to, okay, I have two. Okay. Counting Crows. Counting Crows? Oh, I don't know what it is. There's an album called Recovering the Satellites that I just must have listened to at the right time in my life that I just... I could listen to that all day listener. any day. Okay. And live. Live. Throwing go. Copper. That album just perfection.
0: And I I sort of like thought about what you'd say but you surprised me.
1: What did you think I was going to say?
0: Like Brian Adams?
1: Oh, okay, Brian Adams is amazing, but he's not just 90s to me. Yeah. Okay. He's like 80s, 80s through 2000s.
0: Okay, next one. Uh favorite TV series of all time. Now I know we just literally before we turned on the mic, we talked about, but I'm talking like all-time favorites. Like if you're gonna put one on your tombstone, oh, god. Oh, god. Oh, god. what's it gonna be?
1: Oh god, oh god. Okay, 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 okay. Quickly thinking about the ones that have been my absolute favorite. I think. I don't know what this says about me, but of all time, the one I love the most, CSI.
0: CSI? Maybe
1: not today, maybe okay. not in the last few years, because I haven't seen a new episode in forever. I don't even know who's but running the deeply, squad there anymore. It's got an
0: impression in you that it's says
1: Grissom era CSI Right. rocked my world. I think it was one of the things that got me really into true crime. Like, you know, that sort of forensic fascination that swept the world. Like, I know they're credited with that, but I loved it hard and I didn't miss an episode.
0: My wife wants to be a detective.
1: Same. Occasionally. Oh, my God because of this, right? I actually, because of that show. I looked into what it takes to be a PI right. even in town because I was like, I really got to like crack in. Into- I just don't want to be a cop or a scientist. But and
0: nobody like, wants to go through any more training.
1: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think all time Oh, I'm going to think of a way better answer later. But for now, I'll lock it in as CSI. Okay,
0: sounds mm-hmm. good. All right. So this was the game that we call Mally J threefold better. <laughs> we now one. know you threefold better. Did I win? Uh, there's no prizes, <laughs> but uh, there's a pride factor. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Happy to share. So on this week's edition, uh, last week when we were talking with Shalon, we, I I made a statement about rec property and how I thought it might have been the best time uh, to purchase a piece of rec property. And I just, this week, I just kind of want to elaborate on that a little bit because I did dig up some data to sort of back up that crazy notion that I had. Um, and it's sort of the, the reason that that stimulated me was I think most people know that real estate goes up in value over the macro sense. Yeah. Okay. Just
1: a constant,
0: it's a constant. constantly. You know, it's constantly moving. It's an asset that goes up in value over time. Short term, like there's always blips in the radar whenever interest rates are doing crazy things, whenever you know, COVID had a major impact on what the values of properties were. Yeah. There's always blips. But if you were to take two points in time and you spread them out over ten years, the storyline is going to be ten years ago was a lot better time to purchase than it was at the latter part of
1: that. Yeah, moment. in terms of like it would have been cheaper to buy it 10 years ago.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the point that I'm trying to make with saying that it's the best time to purchase, um, it maybe in the last decade is because in the last decade we've we've gone through a, a very aggressive market. Mm-hmm. For the majority of that market, we would we would indicate that as being a seller's market, meaning the sellers have the advantage, lower inventory ratios, uh, buyers are more hungry to purchase properties. Interest rates have been relatively stable, you know, with with the exception of the last seven months. (laughs) Um, But but now I want to dive deeper into the data to sort of prove my theory that this is probably the best time uh, moving forward to purchase a piece of real estate.
1: Okay, let's get into that data.
0: Yeah, so um, like anything else that you purchased... Um, there is a law called supply and demand, which plays a very important role in pricing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I want to start by looking at demand. And I'm just going to rattle some stuff and I'm going to go back and forth between Canada as a whole and Kamloops, because um, I had to dig very deep to get detailed information on Kamloops. Okay. Currently in Canada, there is approximately 38,200,000 people. Okay. Wow. Um, Kamloops is sitting at about 108,000 people and that's including the surrounding areas. Okay. Okay. Um, currently, uh, in Canada, there's an estimated 14.7 million dwellings, including condos, townhouses, mobile homes, single family detached homes, all of those. Anytime you got a roof and there's one keypad, Mm -hmm. that's a dwelling. Okay. Um, in Kamloops, we have about 37,000 dwellings, which has grown substantially since I've been here in Kamloops. On average, in Canada, 2.6 people live per dwelling.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Kamloops is very close to that number. I'm going to break it down even deeper. There's 46% of the Kamloops dwellings have two people that live inside that house All right. or home. Uh, there's 20%... Uh, that have three people that live in that home, and there's 17% that have four or more.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So interesting. Um, the median age of people living in Kamloops is 43.5 years old. Okay. So, like,
1: we're talking about me here. <laughs> you are like the exact average. I'm the age. exact <laughs> average. I'm the median. <laughs> so, the reason how does it feel to be so average? So average. <laughs>
0: Actually, I feel just, quite yeah, special. Kind of just
1: digging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like growing into it. I'm yeah. I'm here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, why that's important is because I think if the median age was older, we would expect that there would be some sort of downsize, like downsizing on mass on a mass level of baby mm-hmm. boomers that maybe are looking to move into. Um, homes or Mm -hmm. in care centers or maybe moving to Mexico or the island, you know, places where the weather is less aggressive on Mm -hmm. people. But I think with the average or median age being 43, 43 and a half, it sort of sets it up that for the next short term, 20 years, this is going to be a stable number. This is going to be a stable level of who's living in Kamloops. Okay. Currently, Uh, Canada has an estimate 1.8 million dwellings shortfall. I didn't say that right, but there's a shortfall of 1.8 million dwellings.
1: Okay. Based on that?
0: Based on a number that they use. um, I have that number here, the exact criteria that they use. Interesting formula. I'm not going to give you the formula. Canada has the lowest number of housing units per thousand residents of any G7 country. So in BC in particularly, we're, we're in about a shortfall of about 570,000 homes. Okay. And mm-hmm. in Kamloops in particularly, we're short right now about 180 dwellings.
1: Interesting.
0: Right. Now where I come up with those numbers, I mean, stats can help me through most of it, but the Kamloops numbers are a little bit different. So if we figure out what the growth rate of Kamloops has been for the last little bit, It's 1.7% growth. Okay. Canada's growth is interesting because we're about to go through a major growth spurt Mm -hmm. because immigration has lagged for the last two years. Right. So the growth of Canada in the last year, uh, the last 2021, the last stats can year.
1: Available data year.
0: Was 0.7 of a percent increase, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which equivalents to about Two hundred and eighty thousand people. Okay. Okay. If you take that number and you look at what the expected number of immigration immigrants that are expected to come to Canada this year in twenty twenty three, that's four hundred and sixty five thousand more immigrants.
1: Wow. Coming to Canada. Okay. Okay. With like restrictions lifted and
0: now the restrictions are lifted. They have a three year plan. Mm-hmm. It's it's four hundred and sixty five thousand this year. 485,000 next year and 500,000 in 2025. Okay. So we're looking to get close to a million and a million and a half new immigrant residents into Canada in the next three years. And we're currently at a shortfall of a significant amount of dwellings at 1.8 million. And if you dub that down and look at how many new start builds are prepped to go for 2023 they estimate somewhere around 250 to 260,000 new starts will happen in Canada this year. Okay. Okay. Even more interesting is Kamloops has a stat as well, and they expect to have 560 new starts this year. So at a 1.7% growth, assuming that right now we have an equilibrium of residents to dwellings, which I'm later going to prove is not accurate, but mm-hmm. assuming that's the case, that's how I come up with the fact that, with a two point six person per dwelling, we're going to be short hundred and eighty dwellings by the end of the year.
1: Okay, um, I don't know if you factored this into your data. Probably not. But I just read an article about um, the homeless and unhoused. Yeah. And the there's a there's a head count that actually there's an agency that goes around and actually like interesting. Yeah, interviews and identifies ind- separate individuals in different. Communities like Kamloops being one. It's called Point in Time is the service, so PIT. And um, they've identified just over 200 homeless people in Kamloops. Interesting. So I, if your, your number sounds really accurate, yeah. is that, Like, are you con- considering homeless people in this or is it more I, like... I'm pulling
0: data from CMHC and StatsCan, sure. so I yeah. doubt that they've...
1: I know I, that wasn't your aim, but it, it actually lines up really well with, right. with Unhoused. Right. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if they've actually factored those people in. I don't know if they're accounting for like I I think if you were to take a random homeless guy, run his social insurance number, does he come up as being a Kamloops resident? If he doesn't okay, have an address, if right, he doesn't pay taxes. Census data is probably right. not going to pick on him.
1: That could be true,
0: but which may mean we're double. I was yeah. We could be short shortfall double. And I yeah. I had to make assumptions that I couldn't find actual real data to say that we're at at an equilibrium. I could just say moving forward, we're going to be short 180 dwellings. Yeah. Probably more like double. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So if we look at some more information to back up that in the rental market, I have stats there too. Canada's at a 20 year low for vacancy rates across the country. Picking on some of the highlight areas, Vancouver at a 1.2% vacancy rate, Toronto, 1.7% vacancy rate, Victoria, 1.5% vacancy rate, wow. Kamloops, I managed to get it. Nice. Uh, is at a 1.1% vacancy rate. And that's oh out of God. 2021. And I suspect that number is probably either the same or like tighter now.
1: Yeah. And that like it checks out, obviously, with all. The chatter you hear, you know, online and in the news about how difficult it is to find a place to live or obviously the rental market prices. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to tie into your supply and demand argument, but the, um, wow, that's tight.
0: I actually found data that actually broke down like bachelor suites, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three plus bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And the biggest demand is in bachelor suites and probably just because they're the cheapest of of all units. Yeah. But bachelor suites have the largest demand right now, Carlos. Okay, yeah, crazy, right?
1: Who um, wants a roommate, really?
0: I think it's. <laughs> I think it comes down to when I looked at the stats that came from this came from CMHC. Um, they polled only property manager property management companies for this data. So the individuals that may have a, a a one-off condo or like a a house with a basement suite. Mm -hmm. They're not factored into this data. Right. And I would guess that if you could, if there was a, if there was a way to register that data into the equation, the vacancy rate would go down even lower Mm -hmm. because when you assume, if you call a property management company and you give your notice and you go vacant, their initiative is not to scramble and stick someone in there the day you move out. Their position is to find the right person. Mm. They go through a process, and there's a lag time there yeah. between finding the right tenant that you know meets the criteria, that checks out, um, because they have a system. Yeah. Whereas if you have somebody who's relying on basement rental income to pay a mortgage, they're scrambling. So the minute the tenant flies the coop at night, you know the eleven o'clock. I'm out. I'm yeah. not coming back. The next day, you're on Facebook Marketplace. You're putting. Yeah. You're running an ad. You're interviewing people, and you're looking for somebody to get in there asap. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that happens in a property management company to, to the same degree. So yeah. I would say the vacancy rate would probably be lower if they had the ability to do the same sort of function. It's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm, it is. All right. The crunching the numbers really. It really reveals.
0: The, it reveals something it about Kamloops. Yeah. It reveals something about, I looked at historic data, I don't have it in front of me, but I looked at historical data across Canada and surprisingly like onesies and two percents, they're like the median forever. Mm-hmm. There's been times where Edmonton was one I noticed had like a 9% vacancy rate back in 2008, okay. 2009, somewhere in that area. And that was an eye opener, but I, that was really an odd situation. And I know that there was housing issues and mortgage issues going on in that era. And there might've been something going on that increased that particular thing. Maybe oil and gas had a, something, I know oil and gas had some stuff yeah. going on. So. Anomalies. There was anomalies there for sure. Mm. Okay. So looking at some of the hurdles, right? Why do we have a housing problem? In 2018, there was a port, a report conducted by CMHC. Sort of outlined the hurdles in attaining more housing in Canada. Um, Three of the main factors were this. Supply chain issues Mm -hmm. um, and skilled workers, that being one, okay, which is definitely a problem right now.
1: Like construction supply and like skilled laborers to build.
0: To build. Okay. So products and the people to put them together. Mm -hmm. Remembering that's 2018 data, Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: pre-COVID. COVID in China, there's another whole problem that we're working with right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The second problem, which was a big hurdle was quicker permit wait times. So the, the process of getting a new build where you're going to submit your plans and you're going to have to wait three to six months for a larger development or get, you know, get variances from the city, you know, all these factors that slow down production time. It's actually pretty critical. It's more than just waiting, okay? If you're building multiplex development properties, you have investors the whole way. Yeah. And nobody wants to wait for that money to get rocking. And there's a huge risk when you decide in 2022, at the peak of the market, to start a city gardens massive complex like what is going on in Kamloops right now. Yeah. And the finish line is in another whole market situation.
1: Right. It's in the future.
0: (laughs) It's very much in the future, right? So the permit wait times and the development discussion and the rezoning applications, that slowdown really affects investment. Now, City Gardens is different. Like, they're like, they're just a big entity within themselves. Mm -hmm. The Kelson Group, which is probably not the only financer in that program, but... Uh, For most developments, it's banks and it's, you know, maybe venture capital, you know, money that's going through there. And there's probably a lot of other factors. So the wait times are significant. Yeah. And I will say this, like just even on a smaller scale, in 2020, I pulled a permit to do an addition on my house. It took 10 weeks to get that permit finalized. Mm -hmm. And I just pulled another permit and it took two weeks.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: already there is massive discussions uh, politically about getting this process speed sped up. Yeah. Going back to the um hurdles, there was a densifying of, the, I'm saying this wrong, but basically what, what, it, what they're boiled down to is densifying core areas of communities Yeah, for efficiency.
1: Right. And that's stuff that's like written into an official community plan, for it example.
0: Definitely is in Kamloops. Yeah. yeah. And I would expect that most official plans have similar things in their services, cannot just drive all the way, you know, buses and transit and skytrains and everything. They're more efficient when they're kind of like clumped together. Yep. And uh services, hospitals, people drive less roadways,
1: all those services. Hundred kind percent. Of yeah. Yeah. So densifying things. Yeah, core, downtown core. Whatever.
0: Downtown core areas. Yeah. And I actually spoke to a client yesterday who was talking about my hometown of Chilliwack. I I spent some time in Chilliwack.
1: Hey, the whack. The whack. Back <laughs> Does to anyone the whack. call it that?
0: totally okay <laughs> yeah just people that aren't from there <laughs> Are you sure
1: because so we're like chilly whack yeah
0: <laughs> um and he had mentioned that they had redone their downtown the old downtown core
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's all really trendy now i haven't been down there for 20 years but um mm-hmm. it was a bad place when i lived there and right. they've totally upgraded it was all part of their community plan to get to make it denser to to bring services back in there to keep people tighter Walking, less cars, less mm-hmm. pollution, less infrastructure.
1: I've actually heard that too and stopped in, I don't know, maybe like two or three years ago. It was probably pre-COVID. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like a funky vibe now. Totally, that yeah, that's what you said. It's almost like a little historic downtown. It has like sort of an old...
0: Fort Langley feel? Yeah, that's, that's what cool. you mentioned, yeah. So Black's that's kind of cool. has got
1: going on. So that sort of in- interest in revitalizing, instead of just being one big arm of sprawl, like they can make their own... Dense core within Chilliwack. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the number one uh, hurdle. Numero uno. Can you make any guesses on this? To building?
1: To To just the housing
0: crisis that we have in Canada. Affordability.
1: No more property to buy?
0: It's actually affordability. We have lots of land.
1: (laughs) That seems obvious now. Well, actually,
0: property to buy would actually probably play into that a bit, Mm -hmm. but it's affordability. Yeah. It's very expensive to own a home.
1: No shit. Pardon my French.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about affordability.
1: Yeah. What does it take to, to build a,
0: well, let's home. talk about, oh let's talk about interest rates because it's been a hefty topic, uh, mm-hmm. in the last seven, eight months through the, I don't want to say post pandemic cause it's not really over. No. But, uh, the way we are treating COVID is definitely different. If, if, yeah. Right. So in the last eight months, we've had interest rate increases in Canada from the Monetary Majesty, mm-hmm. who's basically creating creating a, a bigger hurdle for buyers to buy homes. Yes. So we think. So sure feels that I'm gonna, way. I'm going to prove a glitch to that thought, okay? Okay.
1: I'm
0: going to go back to 1970. Keep in mind, every time I mention a rate, it's a five-year fixed rate. Okay. okay. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the rate you're gonna pay, but that's the advertised five-year fix rate. Okay. In 1970, buying a home 4.79%. These are median rates from that year. Okay. Mm-hmm. 4.79%. In August 18th, particularly 1978, this is a very special day to me, by the way.
1: Oh, it was it your was, birthday? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was 10.75%. Five-year fixed. Whoa. January 1981. There was some crisis going on in our world. 15.5 mm-hmm. uh, percent. Okay. Yeah. Eight months later, in the same year, 21.75 percent.
1: That's when my parents bought their first house. Right. Yeah.
0: Anybody who owned a home and had to pay those kind of mortgages rates, um, they're always whispering in people's ear today. Like typically, those are parents of buyers. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't spend. Don't overspend. Yeah. Interest rates could go back to 22%. Yeah. So, historical time. Highest interest rates in Canada ever recorded. 1987, 10%. Do you see a pattern? 1990, 14.25%. Oh. 1996, 7.2%. 2003, 6.3%. 09 Just over 5%. 2014, just under 5%. 2018, 5%. June 2019, 5%. January 2023, 6.5%. Okay. So, what I'm trying to show you is the median over the last 53 years is Mm
1: 13.5%,
0: which is exceptionally high. It is. Compared to what we're paying right now. Right. And to give you even more insight on what 6.5% means. I just renewed a five year fixed in a subprime mortgage because we still have subprimes kicking around. Um, and I paid 4.46%. I think that's right. 4.46.
1: Okay. I think you mentioned there was some negotiating
0: 4.64. I have that backwards. I don't want someone to call me. You didn't get that right. <laughs> yeah. I know what the rates don't are. Don't look
1: at my private financial information. <laughs> yeah. to prove me wrong.
0: There you go. So, you know, at, at a five year fix at six point five, you're still paying under five percent mm-hmm. for your your mortgage. So, relatively speaking, it's a pretty good time to borrow money from the last fifty three years
1: compared to all that. It's just that it feels like the exponential rise is or what the seven was seven increases in eight, the last. I think eight, eight increases. now with yeah. the one last week like. But the thing it is, is we,
0: we had we had four percent interest rates only three four years ago. This is what we were paying four three years ago. We yeah. just had a two year run of free money, mm-hmm. money and we got cheap. real used to it yeah. and forgot about any hardships that had in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard for someone. Let's say someone who's buying their first home now, they don't yeah. have the experience of in the, in the 80s having it been 20. They don't have that memory of having they don't. 20% interest rates to compare it to. And they probably so don't compare, listen to their parents. They probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's all experience and that relativity of experience is another factor to what it feels like. I couldn't
0: agree with you more. hmm Going with that notion, I'm not going to spit out this data because I can't find it again. Mm -hmm. But one of the common, um, let's say, opposing statements made when you talk about interest rates being relatively low Mm -hmm. is that in 1970, it didn't cost a million dollars to buy a 4,000 square foot
1: house. Excellent point. Okay. Yeah.
0: So CMHC actually had... They have a ratio that's based on...
1: Sorry, what is CMHC?
0: Canadian Housing Mortgage Corporation.
1: CHMC.
0: Canadian CMHC. Canadian Mortgage... (laughs) Canadian... You're going to have to cut this (laughs) No, we're
1: leaving it in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Canadian Mortgage Housing Association. (laughs) So
1: it's CMHA.
0: CMHC. It's (laughs) CMHC.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: It actually uh-huh. doesn't stand for anything. Okay, it's just it's an an literally just acronym. CMHC. Yeah, okay, it's an acronym that okay. means something. CMHC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got it now, right? Mm-hmm. Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation. That's it. Nailed it. I didn't cheat by looking it up. <laughs> um, they have a they have a numerous amount of objectives. They insure mortgages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you were purchasing a mortgage your bank would require it to be underwritten by an underwriter that is going to ensure that you're going to make those payments. Okay. Now, it's important to understand that CMHC has a very uh, aggressive desire. I don't even know if that's the right word. To ensure that housing does, is a stable investment. Right. So they have that initiative because they don't want the values of homes to go down. Everybody would default right. and they'd be on the hook. Of course. Okay. So they have an incentive to ensure that housing has this standard, this gold standard. Right. So also involved in that. So they, they provide all the funding for a lot of innovation and research, right? Yeah. They are a, a large spot for data. Yeah. they, they, they Keepers they, of the data. The keepers of the data for, for Kamloops. Camloops for Canadian housing, <laughs> right? Yeah, they inspire change. They they have a grant program. Mm-hmm. They inspire change in the building code. Right. I don't think they're directly involved in building code, but I think they are definitely involved in trying to grow efficiency of of the home.
1: Yeah, maybe influencing it. And it looks like their their main goal is affordability of housing yes. in Canada, and uh, so to ensure that it's uh, people live with dignity and that everyone is has access, affordable access to housing. It seems to be like an overarching vision. And then through these different channels of like data collection.
0: There'll be a day when stuff. I look back on the way that I described this oh, well, and I'll laugh again because it's probably a terrible description of that. It's, but it's more than
1: I knew before though. This is helpful. Okay, good. And you know what we should do? have someone from the CMHC on.
0: We should definitely have <laughs> okay. someone from CMHC. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that we know the acronym. Okay? Totally. I yes. wrote it down. It's going to happen.
0: Okay, so I, where did I leave off? I was I was talking about um the debt ratio per household. Right. So that's when we look at 1970s it only cost $75,000 to buy a house so right. we could afford 18% interest. But actually, if you look at the um, household debt ratio, Mm -hmm. so it would mean how much of your total income for the household is contributing to paying your mortgage. Okay. When you look back at the 1970s, it was around 44%. Today in BC, it's as high as 60%. Okay. The initiative for that is to have it around 47 48%. Don't Mm -hmm. quote me on that, but there is an initiative that uh, CMHC is, is, is striving for to, okay. to keep that affordability at that right level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kamloops is much lower than that. I believe that Kamloops is probably closer to being what the initiative is because it's super inflated when you go to Vancouver and the lower yeah. mainland, which is full of houses, full mm-hmm. of dwellings, full of very expensive dwellings. Yes. So that number is inflated due to the population of the lower mainland, Fraser Valley and greater Vancouver area. And I believe that we're probably in more of an equilibrium area.
1: Even though it feels expensive. Everything. It's, gone, it's definitely all gone up, but it's.
0: What, let me ask you this. Yeah. When was the last time you filled up gas? Two weeks
1: ago. I like, don't drive a lot.
0: <laughs> when you fill up at $1. fifty-five, mm-hmm. what do you think?
1: What do you mean? Like,
0: do you feel like it's expensive? <laughs> do you feel like you're getting a deal? Do you feel like it's not that bad right now? It's been worse.
1: Um. Well, as I said, I actually don't drive that much, so my fuel cost per month is quite low compared to others. So, so it's not I, a take, I take I take the shock sticker shock at the pump prices pretty well because it's not right. The reason I it's, say, I mean, when it goes up in like so much in a couple of days, or you know, it's what everyone's talking about. Like, right. yeah, it, feel, it feels. Pokey.
0: I can tell you from my experience. Yes, that you
1: drive a lot. You probably.
0: Last summer, bad. last spring, mm. diesel was like two dollars and forty cents a liter, yeah, and now it's it's under two bucks, so it feels expensive until we've grown accustomed to a higher price point, of then course. it feels cheaper, yeah, so
1: exposure therapy
0: <laughs> yeah and I will say this that when you bought your home in nineteen seventy for 72500 $72, bucks, you didn't get. All the cool features that today's houses have. A lot of times you didn't even have insulation, right?
1: In the 70s?
0: You had insulation, but (laughs) I mean, you didn't have as much insulation. Okay. And you didn't spend that kind of money for the fire retardant insulation Mm. that we have at the Mm -hmm. greatest level of our value. We didn't have triple glaze windows. Right. We had cheap components, right? We had cheap vinyl flooring. A lot of times, contain asbestos in it. Mm. We had uh, lead-based paints. Yep. We, you know, we just ha- we just didn't have all the crazy technology that we have in today's houses. There is more expense based on the fact that we've we've definitely have a more high-tech house,
1: like Im- improving those components and innovating them so that they're more efficient. Yeah, totally. Maybe not poisonous is a good. Maybe innovate. we don't die nice, from yeah. just
0: living in it, right? <laughs> I see. So it's all relative. And I think the statement of saying yes. And to
1: like income is what you, sorry to interrupt. Based on income. Yeah.
0: So our income levels have have risen significantly since the 1970s. -hmm. Although we're not meeting that criteria for CMHC right now, maybe that just means that we need more income.
1: Yes. I know that's, yeah, that seems like the argument out there is like people's base salaries or minimum wage, like needing to come up to they're just not... Provide that baseline.
0: They're just not meeting the inflation that we just came out of. Mm-hmm. Let's talk value.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: We talked about demand. Demand. Talked about interest rates. Let's talk about what things actually cost. So I have in front of me a spreadsheet.
1: Ooh,
0: it's only got so nine... Official. It's so official. <laughs> it's got uh, highlighter marks on it as well. Ooh. So going back to uh, 2013, I don't have 2023s yet because the day doesn't come out till tomorrow.
1: Well, 2023 is only we're only a month in. Jan-
0: these are these are all January.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. The end see. of
0: January. So oh
1: right. The stats for January. We're February
0: 1st today, but we don't actually get the stats until uh, more you. numbers come through the gates. Yeah. So I've estimated this month's numbers based on what the the data that we have. Okay. Which will change. So in Two thousand and thirteen, the Kamloops median residential price was three hundred and sixty-three thousand bucks. Essentially, ten years ago.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't want to go through every single one of these, but I can tell you in a quick run through.
1: Yeah,
0: three hundred and seventy thousand dollars, three hundred and eighty-nine thousand dollars, three hundred and ninety-five thousand uh, dollars. There was a blurb in mm-hmm. 378000 dollars. 2018, $427,000.
1: Little moving, jump.
0: Moving right along to 2019, which is, there's some historical value to that pre-COVID number. Definitely. Um, which was $455,000 for a median house price. Okay? okay. It doesn't include condos and mobiles. In 2020, that jumped to five thirteen. In 2021, that jumped to Five hundred and
1: ninety, yeah,
0: and in twenty twenty two, that jumped to seven hundred
1: fifty thousand. Ah, wow, staggering!
0: That's a crazy what a spike. Spike, okay.
1: Which we've all known, but that's I appreciate that you've laid out the numbers like that. That's, right, so sort of see that.
0: The, the, what I'm saying is, this is not all COVID related inflation. No, okay, but in twenty twenty three, uh, as per yesterday, when five o'clock to when the the gates closed, mm-hmm. so to speak, with data. Um, there's still data that we'll run through for the next day and a half. So those numbers will come up. But the median house price estimated by me, with an asterisk on the end of it, is about 600 and change. So it's come down significantly. We can sort of sum up the idea that through the process of COVID, inf- houses inflated about 30%. Mm-hmm. They have since come down about 17 to 18%. Okay. Okay. Since the peak of 2022, which turns out to be February, March area.
1: I was just about to say like about a year ago. About a year ago. Okay.
0: Yeah. So those numbers have come down. Now, I did read a report and I've read multitude reports similar, similarly written to this. Every real estate brokerage of... Large capacity, Royal LePage, Remax, Century 21, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of the big mortgage companies and banks, TD, Scotia, they all have their own economists and they all review data better and more thorough than I just <laughs> did. And they come up with their own sort of estimates about where the market's at. Sure. Okay. TD reported, my computer's like six feet away from me, so I can't read the it's actual too far. headlines. Dead but to you. TD economics, which is their Economic up to date for mortgage and for real estate Mm -hmm. has sort of essentially said this, they're expecting that the market will drop a total of 20 from the peak, 20% from the peak. So we may not be at the very, very bottom of the trough, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but we're very close. Yeah. If you could go back and buy Tesla or Pepsi or Apple Mm -hmm. somewhere near the bottom of a trough, I promise you, you would do it. Yeah knowing what you know now. Yeah. I'm telling you that the mar- we are in a trough. We are at the bottom for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. There could be a blip somewhere, but as a very wealthy human being by the name of Warren Buffett says, like when you're buying stocks, you are buying, when you're buying big time stocks like Apple and Tesla and IBM in the day, yeah, still actually a pretty good stock. Oh, um, you, you want to buy in the dips.
1: Yep. You buy don't want to buy, buy in the peaks,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So we are in a dip. We are definitely in a dip. The
1: dip is happening now. The
0: dip is happening now. So and, if I were to take...
1: And potentially, potential to dip even farther based on those projections from...
0: We could be 2 to 3% away from the bottom. We're
1: basically there. Yeah. Okay.
0: And that data comes from, I mean, a lot of people are saying similar type numbers. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody's saying that we're going to go down another five to 10%. No. So I think we're in the dip. And when I hold uh, in 10 years' time, the next 10 batches of market data from month to month
1: mm-hmm. in 2033,
0: 2033, the first page at the very back, going back to 2023, January, you're going to find that's the sexiest number
1: in the batch. Right. Because as we said at the beginning, It always, aside from the occasional anomaly, trends upwards at a fairly steady rate in terms of appreciating in value. There is
0: a there is a line in that graph that that maintains an arch, and Mm -hmm. it's somewhere around five to six percent
1: year over year.
0: Year over year, Mm -hmm. and you know, like if we were having a discussion with a financial advisor, he would say, "I can definitely do better than five percent." But the difference is, is that when you invest money in something like a stock or a dividend, you're investing all of your capital. That's how much your return comes from. So if you're investing $100,000 and you got 10%, you're getting 10% of $100,000 that year. Mm-hmm. But when you're buying a house, you might be putting down $100,000, but you might be buying an asset of a million dollars. Right. So when it goes up 5%, you're getting 5% of a million dollars. It's... It's a really really good investment. And when you say something on a podcast and it's out there in <laughs> cyberspace, I mean it's out there forever. If you're wrong, it's just out there. It's out there. I'm going on. I'm going on the record here.
1: This was a great dive. Okay, so last week you said this is the best time to buy in the last 10 years. Yeah. But really we should frame it as in the next 10 years going forward. Right now, is going to be the best time to buy,
0: yes, moving forward,
1: moving forward,
0: yeah, I just mean like this is probably the the best the conditions
1: dip. are the bi- biggest dip,
0: yeah, this could be the best dip that we've seen mm-hmm. out of that arch, yeah, so it is a a really, really strong time in our market. We're opportunities in front of us, and even though we're very uncertain in our marketplace with a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. especially in some of the more inflated areas like Toronto and Vancouver and the lower mainland, Caloos is pretty stable. And I feel like we're probably going to have a more stable ride through the post pandemic market conditions.
1: And, um, you know, you've, you mentioned this last week too, that it's now like very much a buyer's market.
0: It is very much and a buyer's
1: market. by that, I know that's like a common thing to say if it's like, but what does that mean? Like, Less competition
0: means that properties it means that there's more, more room to negotiate more more supply than demand so and we don't really have a whole lot of supply either. we still have really low supply ratios, mm-hmm. but it just means that there's less buyers snooping around through properties, mm-hmm. so in those conditions, the buyer sort of has the leverage in any negotiation. they're the one walking around kind of feeling big right now, whereas through the really the past 10 years the majority of that time has spent where the seller is standing outside. Yeah. Here's a video that I remember this brings up a video. I wish we could show it. <laughs> um we'll get our video going here we'll be able to show <laughs> yeah. these little videos. There's a video of like a a guy selling an apple and this is the peak of the market for the covid our covid real estate market. And he's got this apple. He's like okay, I'm ready to sell my it's apple. Like the fruit
1: an apple. Yeah, yeah. he's got like an yeah.
0: an, an apple, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a buyer who comes and he's like, oh, that looks like a really nice apple. Can I look at it? And the guy's like, no, I think I'm just going to hold on to it. Yeah. I think I know what it's worth, you know. We're going to start the bidding. And the guy's like, bidding? Over your apple? And they start bidding this apple up. And then it sells for, you know, tenfold over what the guy was trying to sell it for. Mm-hmm. That's the indica- yeah. indication of a seller's market. The seller has all the leverage in the transaction. Right. We're in a situation now where... When you look at the data of the sales that have came through in the last two weeks, which the majority of the sales so far for this month, January, I mean, have come in the last two weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of them are coming in at 50 under asking price, 70 under asking price, 40 under asking price. Wow.
1: Such a big change from the last, even, yeah. yeah, from a year ago. You're, you're able what to negotiate
0: swim. and uh, you're, you're, you're probably going to have a better buying experience now
1: mm-hmm.
0: than, you, than you've had in the past.
1: And then taking it back around to what you said about um, housing, how we are short housing, like that you made a really strong argument for, presented a lot of facts about that. Maybe if you are considering, oh, maybe I should buy property. Like definitely yes, (laughs) because wouldn't it be better to have it, if it's only going to be in shorter supply moving forward, Yeah, like that's maybe, is that part of the argument you were making to like potentially if we have, you know, higher immigration numbers and sl- slowdowns to building process. Like there's o- new new builds can only keep so much of a pace, right? Um, we're just in the, this
0: current situation that we're in in the country, not just Kamloops, but no. in the country is that we have a very we have a very large limitation to be able to to satisfy the housing needs really quick. Mm-hmm. So for at least the foreseeable future, and I think like. Ten and twenty years is like really considering it as a short-term problem. Yeah, that we are going to be in demand for housing. So moving through a little uncertainty of a, a downfall that we came through a super inflated time in COVID, we're going. The number is going to go back to a seller's market soon. Yeah, it's not going to stick around. In all those reports that I read, Scotia uh, TD Economics, the the Royal LePage Economic Page. Remax is, they're all saying that in 2024 it'll probably turn around and go back to where prices are going back up
1: Ooh, yeah
0: so this is your year this is it 2023 this is everybody wants to buy in the bottom yeah this is the bottom
1: and and how knowing the conditions then are like you've got time to put terms in the contract and take a do good due look, diligence get your home inspections like it really can make a methodical... Listen to your
0: podcasts to before you make your decisions.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and make a good, yeah, educated choice. It does seem like the power, yeah, power is in the buyer's hands right now. This is the time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater.